Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Pastor Brad Billett. Pastor Brad, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic today. Really uh, humbled and honored to be with you guys. Thank you for joining us. And Pastor Brad is the lead pastor of West Point Community Church in West Point, Virginia, and that is um, a Nazarene church, and he'll be sharing his testimony with us today. Pastor Brad, just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Sure. So my family spent some time uh, moving around a little bit when I grew up. I was born in uh, West Virginia and then moved right outside New York City on Long Island for a few years before kind of settling down in northern Virginia, right outside Washington, D.C. And home for me growing up was my safe haven. That was where I knew I could kind of be myself. It was where I felt secure, and my parents and my two younger brothers and I, we still, to this day, enjoy being together. And so it was always a place that when everything else was going nuts around me, whether we were moving or dealing with different culture shock issues or anything like that, as long as I got home, I knew I was going to be okay when I got there. That is something that is a blessing um, to have that um, home base where you can come home and you know that um, you have safety and familiarity. And it does sound like you made some pretty big moves. Um, yeah. Going from uh, what part of West Virginia you were in, but then to New York. So how was that? It was different especially the first move from West Virginia to New York. But in West Virginia, that's where my mom's family was from. So we had, you know, grandparents and cousins pretty close, same town or the town over. And then when we moved, it was me and my two younger brothers, but we didn't know anybody else up there. There wasn't family nearby or anything like that. And so we had to move and adjust adjust to what that was like. And then just the pace of life, the speed at which things came at you, the diversity of the group that was there. I knew there were people – I think even when I was young, because I moved when I was about kindergarten age, so I knew there were people that may not have uh, been Christians at the time, but it wasn't something that was real prevalent. And then I go to New York, and I'm off school all the time because we're having Jewish holidays. And so, so I'm learning, you know, I'm learning, I'm making friends with these families that I'm going over to their houses, and we're, you know, they're inviting me over to celebrate Hanukkah and their high holy days with them, and then. If I would invite them to come to like Christmas and Easter, then it was, you know, well, we don't do those things, but you're welcome to come to our house kind of stuff. And, yeah. And so I started to learn those things. And then when we moved to uh, Northern Virginia, that was a different kind of change because it even almost, at least my awareness of it, was up another level as far as diversity of cultures go. Mm-hmm. So my high school had a UN day that they celebrated every year, and the joke was, that there were more students parading around the inside of the gym with the flags of the countries that they came from than there were people sitting in the stands watching. Wow. Because there were so many different nationalities, so many different cultures, so many different languages that had been represented in where we were. And so, yeah, I think part of the reason that home was so safe was because I was dealing with all that stuff. And what that safety at home did for me was it enabled me to learn two things that I still carried with me that I really appreciate about my growing up time is that one is that I really enjoy learning about the differences that people have. Like where do they come from? What is normal for them? Uh, whether it's 
food or culture or whatever. I just really appreciate it. There's a beauty in that for me. And at the same time, I learned that if you get down to it, people are pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. That, you know, take away all those things that are differences that may or not be that important. But at, at the base level of who we are, we're all we're all the same type of person that God has created us to be. And so right. it, was, it was really a, a great experience for me that way. Uh, so when I went, it's kind of, I joke about this, when I went to college, I went from being in these metropolitan areas, so I went to a college in a small rural town, and I would drive on the weekends to major cities just to walk on sidewalks and sit in traffic and be around yeah. other people because there was, you know, I, I couldn't do that around corn stalks. I had to go and be where, <laughs> where where other people were. And now where the great irony of God, now I live in a small town that is ten times smaller than the town I went to college in mm. and and love it. And this has become home for us here. So there's yeah. just kind of, this, you know, this ability to see the beauty and the different stories that people have and the connections that have us there are kind of some of the things that, that growing up in those different places and those different changes really kind of blessed us with. Yeah. It helps you, as you meet people, to be open to hear mm-hmm. who they are and why they are yeah. the way they are. And that is so needed in today's culture. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the things, too, is it made me realize that I, could, I have a hard time thinking that, I own, that I'm the one that has all the right answers now. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that what, just because it's normal for me, Mm-hmm. where it makes total sense for me, doesn't mean that it's going to be that way for everybody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's good. And that'll preach for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so where did faith come in? Were, was your family yeah. a church one family? I, I, I think mm-hmm. what I, that I've heard you yeah. say that. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been blessed, really. And both sides of my parents' families. Uh, are believers going back several generations. Uh, even in my mom's side of the family, I think about as far back as the Church of the Nazarene goes, we have you know, Nazarenes okay. in my family on that side. And so we just kind of grew up in that. We weren't just people who went to church. My parents were people who believed that their faith should make a difference in how they lived. And so mm-hmm. we were we were actively involved in whatever our church was doing, and we also did things to serve other people around us. That's where we grew up in. And so that was one of those things that because of that, the older I've gotten and the more I've dealt with other families, the more appreciative I am of the space that my parents made for us to be ourselves and also the way that they walked out their faith in front of us. Mm -hmm. So I know they prayed for us. I heard them pray. I know they read their Bibles. I saw them do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw them make decisions based on their faith that didn't necessarily match up with what society around us would say is a popular decision to make. And that's why we moved really from Long Island to Northern Virginia was because my dad uh, took a demotion to get out of a situation that he was in there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't look like success, right? So you're climbing up the ladder, you're right near the top, and you don't like what it's doing to you or your family or the stress that it's putting on you there. So instead of saying, well, I'm going to fight through this and keep going, he's like, maybe the better thing to be able to live out this witness that I want to live is to take a step back. And I've, I mean, that happened when I was in elementary school, and I still remember overhearing the conversations that my mom and dad were having about that and then the actual making of that move. Mm-hmm. Um, that still sticks with me. And so those kinds of things were things 
that helped me as I was growing up. When I would screw up, it was okay to come home and be and just be the screw up there and yeah. work through that. And uh, I knew that even if they were going to be upset with me, like they were still going to love me and accept me. And so I was yeah. able to be there in that. And so I was, out of that, you know, my brothers and I, there's three of us, and all of us are still actively involved in church, actively involved in sharing faith. And they have you know, different professions, but we're all, that's something that we've all done and are, are trying our best to pass on to our kids as well. Yeah. Brad, thank you for sharing that. And uh, it was neat hearing you talk about the different uh, culture experiences yeah. that you had with different friends and different beliefs and mm-hmm. learning, you know, things that you weren't previously exposed to, that that was just something that you carried with you, whether you've lived in a yeah. big city or a small town. So any particular stories that stick out to you on relations to those things? Yeah, that's a good question. Let me see here. Well, I'll, just, I'll do ones that are more recent because this is this is where I'm living now. Okay, so I grew up, and most of my time, the formative years growing up were in, you know, suburban or metropolitan areas, right? So right outside D.C., right outside New York City. So I never got exposed to a lot of things like hunting or Future Farmers of America or any of that stuff. And I am, I, even now, I can't keep a house plant alive. I have no ability with plants or anything like that. And so now where I'm at, uh, I've been, for the last couple of years especially, guys really been pressing in on our family to to not just invite people to a service at some point, but to go out and be involved in their lives. And so making friends and just being with people has been a, a real big priority for us. And that was hard at first because I'm showing up at my, my son's soccer games, and he was about six at the time. So first, I think first grade. So we're going to the soccer games. I'm sitting around. I'm trying to meet the parents, especially the dads that are there, and, and talk to them. And I'm I'm the only one who doesn't have a rifle in the back of the car or the back of the truck. And I'm the only one who wasn't going to miss the next week's game because of hunting season and those sorts of things. And so I'm sitting there, and I have no experience with this stuff. And I'm sitting there, and all I'm doing the whole time is I'm asking questions. And I'm trying to figure, okay, so, so you know what? You're going out hunting. That's, that's really cool. What do you, I've never done that. So what is it about that that you find enjoyable? What makes you want to go up and get up at 4 in the morning and make yourself smell bad and go out and sit in the woods and, and do these things and, and stuff to the point that I've been able to be invited to go out. Now I've gone out with some friends, and we haven't hunted yet, but we've gone out in, like, scouted locations and been out and, and gone up before dawn and gone out and done those things just to be – with them and been able to experience that. And after doing that, uh, some of the peacefulness of the woods in those mornings, some of the time to be still and be quiet has been powerful enough for me that now that's one of my routines is wow. that as I, as I need some, especially if I need to do some deep thinking with God, one of the first things I do now is get up earlier and go find some place to go hide out in the wilderness that no one can find me and just go and be. And it came out of uh, talking with people and trying to get to know people and do the things that they enjoy to be a part of their lives uh, that are different than me and different than how I grew up. Oh. So do you have full camo? Uh, not yet. No. <laughs> my, 
I've, I've learned that the good camo is out of my price range, so I got to yeah. work into it. But it was a big deal. I remember. Uh, I remember when I forgot my first uh, piece of camo. Uh, it was just for. It ended up just being for a softball team I was playing on here in town, and they're like, "Wow, they couldn't." My family couldn't believe I had something that was camo because it was the first time I'd, in my life I'd ever had anything like that. And I was like, "Yeah, but I'll wear it well. It'll be all right." That's great. That's great. Um, well, you know, it's beautiful to hear how even as a child. Um, God began to prepare you for ministry yeah. by helping you to have that um, experience of different cultures around you and mm-hmm. um, parents that helped you to lean into that and not mm-hmm. um, shy away from it, not be scared of it. And although your demographics are a little different now, just as you said, when you went to New York City or you went to D.C., or you go to the woods to hunt, people are people are people. Like God created us in his image. Um, but we have this design within us that um, the thumbprint um, and the image of God, uh, and you see that across all people. Yeah. It's a, that is such a powerful thing to remember because I think we look at differences sometimes and we think that, we would never have something in common with someone. And I think the enemy plants that thought to keep us segregated. Um, so I'm grateful. Thank you for sharing that part of your story. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's one of the things that I feel that as the church, Big C, not just our church, but as, as right. the church, that's, that's one of our most powerful testimonies and witnesses to the world is that I can show up and be not just show up for an event, but be part of a family with people that are completely different than me otherwise. Like, there's there's no way that I should be in a group. I look around on our Sunday morning in, in our small congregation. There's We've got former felons, and we've got, you know, people that have enforced the law. We've got rich. We've got poor. We've got different cultures. We've got different education levels. And where else are you all all going to sit together at a table and share a meal together? Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, uh, Pastor Brad, uh, you mentioned that you grew up in a Christian home and that you had these different cultural experiences, the different places you lived, whether it was West Virginia or New York or Northern Virginia. So when did you sense the call to ministry, so to speak? How did that come about? Yeah, so the when I was in, I believe it was first or second grade, I was at a vacation Bible school, and they gave the invitation to come and accept Christ. And uh, I always tell people that puppets helped lead me to Jesus because it was the puppets that invited us. And they told us to go back to the back room, and there was a group back there that was going to pray with us about this. And like God had been present in my life up until then, but that was that moment where it just kind of clicked enough to say, you know what, I think this is what I really want. And so I went back there and prayed for forgiveness and ask Jesus to come. And even in that moment, I can remember uh, the invitation that came to me wasn't just to come and receive forgiveness, but to come and to serve. Mm-hmm. That there was there was something on the other side of that. So fast forward like 10 years, and God uh, reached out to me again. I was actually here in the Virginia district. I was at one of the winter retreats. And God was really messing with me about this idea of him calling me into ministry, into specifically kind of investing my life in people. And 
that terrified me. It still does, to be honest. And so I got up out of the service, and I left my coat behind. It was snowing. It was about 20 degrees. And I just walked outside around the outside of this building for about two hours trying to just kind of come to terms with this, with a sense of calling. And that was where it first crystallized in my mind and in my spirit that this is what God was calling me to do. And it didn't have uh, an age or a geography or anything else like that attached to it. It was simply a call to take whatever God has given me and give it to somebody else so that they can grow in their relationship with God. And uh, what year was that, that you had that experience? Sure. It would have been ninth grade. So I was, what, 14 or 15? The numbers and I don't always uh, get along very well. Yeah, I was around uh, 14 or 15 years old. And, yeah, I've been at that. The winter retreat, did that experience. And to be honest, I just the rest of that story is I I came back and I shared that with our youth pastor at the time, and, and then I just kind of banked it away in my mind. I think part, a lot of that was fear, and a lot of that was I'm not really sure what I'm getting myself into. But I said in my heart, I'm this young. I can have this for later, but I don't really have to attend to it now. And so I went through the rest of my high school years just kind of having that in my back pocket, but that wasn't in the forefront of my mind. And I mean, I didn't go crazy or anything like that, and I still was working on my relationship with God, and I was still active in church, and I was still helping and doing those sort of things. But it wasn't it wasn't a driving force or a passion in my life at that time. I was saving that, and for whatever reason, I thought I could save that for later. And so I got to the point where I'm finally in college. I kind of helped miraculously change my plans again. It was one of those things when we talk about obedience being surrender, changed my plans to go where he had called me to go, and it was there when it was time to pick a major and finally kind of got to the point like, well, I'm wasting enough money if I don't do what God's asking me to do now, that he had this just incredible transformative moment in my life. It was, I can remember it really well, the date for this one, because it was as the year 2000 was coming in. So I'm I'm sitting in our church service for the year 2000. I had just gone through the worst three-month period in my life because I had been wrestling with God and losing and trying to get him to change his mind or lighten up or push the timetable uh, of, of really giving him all of this. And uh, so it, I was doing things at that time to try and escape from his voice because I didn't want to hear it. And I'd reached the point where I just had given up and said, you know, I can't do that anymore. It's not working. You're still here. <laughs> and so I'm sitting in the service, and it was kind of one of those same number of experiences. I don't remember um, what was going on around me. I'm not sure who I went with, any of that. But I remember it was in that moment as we were praying in this new millennium that I finally said, look, I'm tired of trying to build my own life my way. Whatever you want to do to build my life back up, I'm just a bunch of pieces right now. Come in and do with it whatever you want to do. And that was that crisis moment for me where God was able to get control of everything at the time that I knew that I had to offer and give it to him and say, okay, I whatever, really, I mean this, whatever you want at this point, go ahead and do because I obviously can't do it by myself. And so that was where that moment is where once that was done, like two days later, I signed up and I went off and I spent five-week intensive ministry experience in Appalachia 
and I came back and I signed up for all the classes I need to take, and I started looking for ways to pour my life into that. And it was really just this incredible switch that happened when that took place because my uh, we talked about this in some other conversations I think I've had, at least with you, Margaret, but mm-hmm. it was one of those moments where not only did my prayer change me in that moment, but God came and the desires of my heart changed. So the things that I longed for, the things I got excited about, the things that I wanted to do were all suddenly different because of that moment. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about as the 14-year-old um, wrestling with the call, um, I think that day you got it in your head. Yeah. But there's a long way from your head to your heart. Mm-hmm. It's foot, foot and a half, but it's a long way. And, right. you know, that is beautiful to see. You know, we do wrestle, but there has to be the, the moment that we, in our right. mind, can accept the thought. And sometimes it does take a while until our heart catches up. But the thing that I'm grateful for is that you came to that point where you quit running the Lord had allowed situation in your life. I don't know what that looked like, but he had allowed you to come to a point where it just wasn't getting better. My question is, once you said yes, I can tell by what you've shared that at that point you got clear direction. But what was that moment like? Was there peace? Was there, like, what was, you have all this turmoil and all of a sudden, you open your hands and you release your life to God. Do you have any memories about what that was like? Yeah. The biggest thing that I remember about just immediately after that was, yeah, just a, a sense of sense of peace, but it was almost, it wasn't flowery. Yeah, it wasn't one of those kind of I'm just floating around and everything is good kind of experiences, but okay. it was a sense of now that the direction is clear, I just have to walk in it. Mm-hmm. Now that things are settled, I just go this way. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the struggle I was going through was this desire to try and get direction and purpose. And God had given me purpose, but I wanted to try all these other ones on first just to make sure. And they fought against each other. Mm-hmm. And they fought in my mind and in my spirit. And so once that was settled, that calmed things down because there wasn't, there wasn't all these other options fighting for attention, fighting for a place of supremacy. They were gone. And it was mm-hmm. just the singular purpose, the singular vision for what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And so that cleared up so much of what I was fighting against. And it, it helped not just with direction, but it helped with identity and where I found meaning and purpose, which is, which is still something that God is continuing to work out in my life. That was where that really started to, to take hold in a new way. Yeah. Well, you know, I know that um, as human beings that have been created on purpose for God, those listening, every person listening today has purpose just as you have purpose. And, you know, at some point in all of our lives, we have to come to that place if we are going to be a surrendered believer in this world. And I pray that those listening today can hear what happens when you give everything to God. It's not that he takes everything away, but he just puts your life in order. And it doesn't mean that everything became 100% easy, but you didn't have to be in control of the details. You were serving a God who cares yeah. enough to take care of you. Right. One of the things that came out of that night for me that has been one of the saving graces in my life is realizing that, 
my responsibility when it comes to my relationship with God is always obedience. But his responsibility is always the outcomes. And I was working so hard. It's my, like in my nature, that's my tendency. I want to control the outcomes. I want to be able to control what comes out of whatever I'm doing. And I, I don't have that power, but he does. Mm-hmm. And so it was a refreshing thing. It was a freeing thing for me to get out of the outcome business and just worry about being surrendered and obedient to what God was asking yeah. me to do and then being able to trust him with whatever came out of that. Knowing mm-hmm. that if he's the one that's doing it, it's going to be good. It might not be easy, but it will be good. Right. That's powerful. Pastor Brad, thank you for sharing that. And what a great testimony of, like you said, if we just surrender to God's will, he'll do the rest or he'll direct us step by step where to go from there. And you mentioned a little bit about where you're at and where you're ministering now. But if you'd like to share more about what God's doing in your local church and community there in West Point. Well, uh, God has really been showing up here. He's been great about working and changing us. And uh, to me, this is one of the questions that you had sent was kind of what is God doing currently that's good news. And for me, it's the fact that God doesn't ever get up to a point where he's finished with us. And one of the things that has been powerful for us as a group and has been really powerful for me has been this idea that there are things in our minds that are lies that we have given power to. And when the truth of Christ comes into play and shines a light on those, then we're enabled to be set free from them. And so personally for myself, one of the things that's been happening really over the last four or five months has been this deep soul work of saying, God, I'm, I got to this place where I didn't want to settle for less than the fullness of life that God had promised me. And as far as I knew, as far as I knew, I wasn't in a place where I was missing out on that. But I wanted to know from his end if that was true. And so I was asking him to kind of come in and do what King David would do, you know, come search my heart and know me, cleanse my inmost thoughts, but just show me the things that I'm blind to about myself. And out of that, he started to reveal these these lies that I have been treating as truth about myself, uh, about how I deal with relationships, uh, about what, uh, how I'm valuing success, all these, a bunch of different things. And it is when he brings those things to light and then I allow the truth of Christ to speak into what's really going on here, that he's been able to bring some real freedom and some real um, newness into what's been going on. And it's been it's been an, uh, really an incredible thing to watch as he's been doing that in me and then see as other people are having that same experience, too, in our midst. Thanks for your transparency on that. I think that is so powerful um, as the lead pastor. Um, it's yeah. the, such an important message that, God is never finished with us. There's continual work until we're in glory, when all things will be made right and new. But for you to be able as that leader to say, hey, the Lord is working in this area, and then for other people to begin around you. And it's not just, uh, I have a feeling that this is not just happening in your church, but in your neighborhood where you're having conversations. And that is my prayer. Yeah, that is my prayer. Um, I I don't want my life, I mean, as great as what God has given me, all these blessings and the, even the relationship I have with them, I've never believed that the, a blessing that God gives me is only just for me. Right. He gives and, us yeah. those so that we can extend them on to others. Yeah. yeah. So even in this kind of stuff, I don't want to ever be the place where a grace or a blessing is hoarded and I'm the thing that's hoarding it back. Yeah. 
Um, Pastor Brad, thank you for sharing that. Just anything in closing that you would like to share about your testimony or what God's doing in your life that we haven't asked you already? I think if I could leave one thought with anyone who's listening today, it would be that no matter where you find yourself, whether you're comfortable or not in the situations that you're in, whether you feel equipped or unequipped, whether you feel worthy or not worthy, there is a God who not only loves you, but is so for you that he wants to come and find you right where you are so that you can go to all of these incredible places that he wants to take you. And it will take a willingness to not have control all the time for you to experience that, but that I can speak from my own life that all of the times where I am fighting to turn the wheel where I wanted to go versus letting him take me where he wants me to go, it's in those fighting moments that that's where I always end up going off course. And that's where I always end up struggling through unnecessary pain. And it's in all those moments where I let him do what he wants to do in me that there doesn't make it simple or easy, but there is a clarity and there is a purpose in those paths that make everything worth it on the other side. And if you really want your life to be about more than just you, that is the only way that you're going to find a way to do it. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Pastor Brad. It's been a joy to hear your testimony. Yeah, thank you. It's been a real uh, pleasure to be able to share it and, and to speak with you all today. Well, thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. We pray that Pastor Brad Billett's testimony has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.